Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine tingling shows on AE Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome to The Laverne Cox Show, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. I like to say that the goal of practice is simply to be a compassionate mess. (laughs) This is messy. Social justice is messy. Our lives are messy. Every part of it is messy. We're going to get it wrong over and over and over again. And we shouldn't actually expect otherwise. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Laverne Cox Show. I'm Laverne Cox. Something a lot of people don't know about me is I can be really hard on myself, like debilitatingly hard on myself. Years ago in an acting class in New York City with Brad Calcaterra, Brad would have me do this exercise to um, take on the shell of the bitchiest drag queen from RuPaul's Drag Race and to read myself as if, you know, I was reading someone else with all the negative things that I say about myself. And so I commenced doing the exercise and fully committing because that's what I do as an actor. And after Brad said cut, I broke down into tears because I had witnesses, a class full of people who witnessed how hard I am on myself, all the horrible, awful things I say to myself about myself. Self-criticism is something that has been a theme in my life. It's something that I... I think of used as a survival strategy. And last year, when the pandemic started and I was alone a lot, I realized that all of those old self-critical thoughts 
were creeping back in. All of a sudden, I was being really, really mean and awful to myself and that I'm just kind of almost hardwired. And so I turned to Kristen Neff's work on self-compassion. I went to Kristen Neff's website and I was like, okay, I should definitely look into this. That's why I wanted to have Kristen Neff on the show to talk about it, to help me on my journey towards being better at self-compassion, hopefully it'll help you as well. Dr. Kristen Neff is an associate professor of educational psychology at the University of Texas at Austin and a pioneer in the field of self-compassion research. Her new book called Fierce Self-Compassion, How Women Can Harness Kindness to Speak Up, Claim Their Power and Thrive has been released this summer. She argues in it that in order to realize the full benefits of self-compassion, we need to develop both its strong and tender side. She is also the author of Self-Compassion, The Proven Power of Being Kind to Yourself, where she explains how to heal destructive emotional patterns. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Kristen Neff. Hello, Kristen, and welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you so much, Laverne, for having me on your show. Can we just start by you just defining what self-compassion is? Absolutely. So self-compassion, it's really just compassion turned inward. So we're familiar with what the experience of compassion for someone else is when, you know, when someone else is struggling or they're feeling badly about themselves or they make a mistake or, you know, have some health challenge. We know what it feels like to open our heart to someone, to be warm, to be supportive. And really at the heart of compassion is concern with the alleviation of suffering, the desire to help in some way. So self-compassion quite simply is just making a U-turn and using that same supportive attitude with ourselves, right? So even Mm. if we fail or we're feeling inadequate, we accept ourselves, we encourage change if that's what's needed. But there's a sense of kindness and care and connectedness and how we relate to ourselves. Compassion is about alleviating suffering. And then how do we turn that inward? It just feels like a very, something I want to breathe in. How do we alleviate suffering from within? And I, I, I was talking to my boyfriend last night and I told him I was recording the podcast today and he asked what the topic was and I told him self-compassion and he sort of did a devil's advocate. Well, you know, what is, what if you're too compassionate towards yourself and you don't hold yourself accountable or you become narcissistic? And then I sent him an excerpt from your new book where you distinguish between self-compassion and self-esteem. And he's like, I think I was talking about self-esteem. Can you address that and then talk to us about the difference between self-compassion compassion and self-esteem? Yes. So, well, inherent to compassion is connectedness, right? So, Laverne, you'd probably like it if I had compassion for you, and you probably wouldn't like it if I pitied you. Yes. So what's the difference? The difference is other people. If I pity you, I'm feeling sorry for you. I'm looking down on you. Mm -hmm. If I have compassion for you, it's like, hey, I've been there. I've gone through something similar. So it's the same thing with self-compassion. It's not self-pity. It's not self-focused. It's not woe is me. You know, because the word self is in there, people think it's self-focused, but it's actually everyone faces life challenges. It's actually not just me. And so when we relate to our own struggles and imperfection with that more connected, inclusive stance, it's not so much about self-love as it is just love in general. And and in Mm -hmm. fact, if we just turn love outward and we care about others and we cut ourselves out the circle of compassion, if, we, if we're kind to others and we treat ourselves like crap, you know, that's really self-focused, isn't it? That's really not seeing ourselves as part of the larger whole, right? Yeah. And so 
you know, what we know about self-compassion and self-esteem is they're kind of related. In other words, if you have more self-compassion, you're going to have higher self-esteem. But what mm -hmm. they're based on is very different. Self-compassion is unconditional. Yes. Self-esteem is a judgment. It's like, did I, did I, you know, make my sales target? Was I productive enough? How do I look? You know, did I lose the weight I wanted to, to lose? Mm -hmm. The worth that comes from self-esteem tends to be conditional. It's conditioned on success or on what other people think of us. It's there for us on, on good days, but it's a fair weather friend. You know, what happens when we fail mm -hmm. or we aren't productive or we gain, gain that weight or whatever it is that our self-esteem is based on? It deserts us. And so there's been a lot of research actually comparing the two. And so what we know is the sense of self-worth that comes from self-compassion is much less contingent, is much less dependent on external circumstances, and therefore it's more stable over time. We need to remember that it's not just us. We aren't alone. This is part of the shared human experience. And really importantly, we need to care about it. We need to have desire to help ourselves in some way, to hold ourselves, whether we're helping ourselves with warmth and acceptance, or maybe mm -hmm. we're helping ourselves by saying, you better do something differently because this isn't working for you. You know, I like to yeah. say self-compassion can be tender or it can be fierce. It yeah. really just depends what we need to alleviate our suffering. Gorgeous, gorgeous. We've been talking about um, shared humanity as one of the yes. three elements of self-compassion, and you named two others. Can you talk about those and how, how important they are? Yes. So kindness, which is kind of the most obvious, being kind and supportive toward ourselves, accepting as opposed to very harshly judgmental. A sense of common humanity, remembering that everyone's imperfect and everyone leads an imperfect life as opposed to feeling really isolated and separate by our pain and struggles. And also mindfulness. Mindfulness actually has to be a part of self-compassion because could you imagine if you had a new a, a friend who was struggling and you didn't pick up her phone calls or you just like blew her off? Mm. Like, I'm busy. I'm sorry. I can't listen to you. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you, can't, you couldn't have compassion for your friend. And yet we do that to ourselves. We get so busy and we're just so focused on problem solving or getting through each day that we don't pause to be mindfully aware of the fact that, whoa, this is really hard. You know, what can I do to help myself in this moment? Can you define mindfulness? Because I mindfulness is a word we hear a lot, right? Yes. In, in wellness spaces, we hear it a lot. And I feel like I don't always know what it means, if I'm being really honest. <laughs> How do you define mindfulness? Right. Well, I have to say, I'd like to steal a line from Brene Brown. We were teaching a workshop together once, and she said, Kristen, I don't like the word mindfulness. It's too woo-woo. Can we rename it? courageous presence. And I'm like, that's why you're so brilliant, Brene. So, so you, you know, that's what it is, right? It's the courage to be present with what is. Right? That is so beautiful. The courage to be present with what is. Yes. It's, so we avoid two extremes. One extreme is just pretending it's not there. I ain't going to look at it, putting her head in the sand. I mean, the way that people do with so much of the suffering in society, well, it's not a problem, right? I'm not going to even go there. That's not mindful. Yeah. At the same time, when we're present, it's like we aren't exaggerating. We aren't lost in a drama. There's some spaciousness. It's like, yeah, this this hurts. But instead of being lost in the pain, like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever and catastrophizing. Mm -hmm. It's like just seeing things for what they are. No more and no less. I love in, in, in your work that you give us concrete things because... I read you or I watch a speech or I'm listening to you now and I'm able to take it in and I'm able to embody everything you're saying about self-compassion and feel it. But then I have what you call default mode. I have a default mode yes. that is 
very critical. And I think what I want to go to now are the things that get in the way of us having self-compassion. I think that's related to attachment theory. And I think it's related to trauma as well. Yes. For me, I think a lot of the my self-criticism comes from having been bullied. My mother was emotionally abusive. And I think a lot of what she was really critical of me in ways to try to protect me, right? Yes. So that I learned very early that like, if I'm self-critical, if I sort of preemptively bully myself, then I yes. can be protected and safe from a really harsh world, a racist world, a sexist, all the things. So my default mode is to be highly critical of myself. And it, it, t- it takes a lot of work for me not to just immediately go to beating myself up. Like that is yes. my like, Boom, that's where I go because that's just, it's so deeply ingrained. And how do you, when you, your default mode is to be self critical and like, how do we, what is the work to like break out of that, I guess? So, self criticism is rooted in the desire to be safe. So, we don't want to beat ourselves up for beating ourselves up, right? Yeah. Even our parents who are often very misguided, you know, they thought they were keeping us safe by criticizing us. Of course, yeah. we know that they actually made things worse. It's the exact same thing with ourselves. We think we're keeping ourselves safe by beating ourselves up, by criticizing ourselves, but in fact, it's just making things worse. So you might say that the root of the desire to criticize ourselves is actually a good one, ironically, is the desire to be safe and to protect ourselves. It's just that it's really not effective. So um, when we criticize ourselves, we're activating the threat defense system. We increase cortisol, for instance, that fight or flight response to try to feel safe. Yeah. When we give ourselves compassion, we're activating the parasympathetic nervous system, or you might say the care system. It reduces cortisol and it makes us feel safe another way. And that's with the attachment system, the safety mm. of care, right? So when you have a friend or your parent put their arms around you and say, hey, it's okay, sweetheart, I'm here for you. That also makes us feel safe. Mm-hmm. And so believe it or not, like quite literally, that's what we do with ourselves hey, it's okay, sweetheart, I'm here for you, right? And we don't want to believe that we're perfect when we aren't. You know, there are things we need to change. There there are real dangers in our environment. That's why I like to call this like mama bear self-compassion. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. self-compassion, this care is like, I'm going to protect you. But it's not coming from a place of, you know, because you aren't good enough or you aren't worthy unless you change. It's like, I want you to change because I care about you and I want to protect you. It gives us the sense of safety that's actually much more effective and um, it's a different frame. It's a different frame than like, you are a piece of shit. <laughs> you need exactly. to change and say, you are beautiful and worthy and deserve, you know, all the things. Now feels like a great time for a short break. We'll be right back though. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Me. 
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. We are back, picking up where we left off. It hits me in my gut when I think about the trauma piece, where I think that the attachment piece and the trauma piece, for me, that's what gets in the way. Yes. Can you talk about the relationship between attachment theory and how self-compassion can be a way to sort of... fix some of our anxious or um, where was anxious and then um, what was the other attachments that was anxious, anxious and avoidant. avoidant. Our anxious and avoidant. Yeah, I, I can. So first of all, your intuition that trauma, especially family trauma, makes it more difficult is absolutely true. In fact, we even have a term for it. We call it backdraft. Mm-hmm. Backdraft. You know, backdraft is a firefighting term and it refers to when you open the doors of a house on fire, the fresh air rushes in and the flames rush out and can actually be quite explosive. Yeah. So uh, the reason firefighters carry those picks is probably so they can poke holes in the house to let the air in more slowly. Well, actually, a similar process happens with self-compassion. Yeah. I've had people, you know, write me and say, Kristen, thanks for giving me one more thing I'm bad at. Like sometimes when we practice self-compassion, especially, especially if we have early family trauma, it's scary at first because what's happened is again, we've had to shut down our heart. We've had to numb ourselves. It's almost like when you numb your hands and they start to warm up, they start to hurt. Yeah. The same things happens with our hearts. And also the attachment system, which should have made us feel safe, if you have early family trauma, didn't make you feel safe. Quite the opposite. Yeah. And so this is definitely a barrier to people practicing self-compassion because it's frightening and it can feel safer just to keep ourselves shut down. Mm-hmm. What we're really doing with self-compassion is we're reparenting ourselves. We're starting to give ourselves unconditional love. You start to rely on yourself. You start to feel secure because you know that you'll be there for yourself, right? So there's a whole type of therapy called compassion-focused therapy that's all about using compassion to help people deal with early childhood trauma. But again, so just like those firefighters that have the picks to let in the air more slowly, 
If you do have a history of trauma, we tell people just, you just need to go slowly. Maybe you're doing one of the meditations on my website and you know, you're, you're doing it and you just become flooded with painful memories or you start disassociating, you know, which, which can happen for people if they have strong backdraft. Right. If you decide, okay, I'm going to stop this meditation, not because I'm bad at it, but because you know what? This isn't what I need right now. This is a bit too much. It's overwhelming. I'm going to have a cup of tea instead to care for myself. Yeah. If you do that, <laughs> you're still practicing self-compassion. And it really doesn't matter how you practice self-compassion. It can be taking a walk, petting your cat, having a cup of tea. You can go slowly. You like to say, go slowly, walk farther. Yeah. Right? What's really important is the shift in attitude in mindset. Why are you doing it? You're doing it because mm -hmm. you care about yourself and you're trying to help yourself be well. Yeah, absolutely. It's a gentle process or it could be too much. And that think it can slow down the healing if yes. like you're re-traumatized in the process, right? Absolutely. When our, You said it when our hands are numb, it can kind yes. of feel painful when they, when they- When they warm up, it hurts, yeah. Yeah, when they warm up, it hurts. So it's like a gentle, a gentle warming by the fire. Yes. And it really is not, like, not a destination. It's a journey. It's not like you get to this point where you're, you're totally self-compassionate. It's really moment by moment. How are you relating to this particular moment? Normally we close down unconsciously. You know, we grab that beer or we just, you know, put on the TV and it, we don't get any benefit from it. It's really your intention. You know, why are you doing it? Yeah. Are you just doing it mindlessly? Yeah. But if you consciously close and you say, you know, this is a little too much for me right now. I'm going to do something else. And first of all, you've done it out of kindness. And then second of all, you've, you've remembered that, okay, I'll, I'll try to come back to this when I have more resources available. Mm. And self-compassion is an amazingly powerful resource to do the work of healing. Mm. It's beautiful. What I also love too, because my, my therapist always says to me, she'll ask me, where do you feel that in your body? She says it has to be embodied. Can you talk a little bit about how we can embody so that it's not yeah. just an idea in our heads, but that it becomes embodied. It becomes something that can, we can use to shift our nervous systems and to regulate our nervous systems. So anytime we're dealing with difficult emotions, we actually encourage people if they can to stop thinking about what the situation is and just to feel the discomfort in their body. Right. Mm -hmm. If the emotion is very intense, sometimes the best thing to do is instead of feeling the emotion itself, you actually fill your feet, uh, the soles of your feet on the ground. Yeah. In other words, you're actually distracting yourself from the sensation of the emotional pain. You aren't, like if you feel stabbing in your gut and it's really overwhelming, you actually don't want to feel the stabbing in your gut. You want to feel the soles of your feet on the ground. So you're distracting mm -hmm. yourself. You're moving your attention. You can do it anywhere. So for instance, nurses often use this practice that we've taught when they're all stressed out, you know, dealing with the COVID pandemic, they just feel the soles of their feet as they're walking from room to room because you always mm -hmm. have your feet, you're typically always standing. So it's something you can do at any time and it's very good for grounding and stabilizing you. Uh, and there's actually research that shows it's a very good way to deal with overwhelming emotions. Having said that, if it's not so overwhelming, to go with the physical emotion. Again, the storyline of my boyfriend left me or whatever it is, maybe too overwhelming, but maybe you can handle feeling that, you know, stabbing in your gut. So you can, for instance, just put your hands gently over the part of your body where you're feeling the pain. Mm -hmm. And Laverne, would you indulge me by doing that right now? Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing it right now. It's always in my gut. You can't see. I'm doing it too. Yeah. 
Yeah, and just, just feel the warmth of your hands and kind of use a pressure that's kind of tender and supportive. Mm-hmm. And then you say some kind words to yourself like, I'm so sorry this is so hard. I'm here for you. Is there anything mm-hmm. I can do to help? And just like you mm-hmm. might say to a friend, you put your, your hand on their shoulder and say, I'm so sorry, you know, can I help you in any way? Even if there's absolutely nothing you can do, when your friend just knows that you're there for her and that you love her, it helps. Yeah. The exact same thing with ourselves. So maybe we can't solve the problem and it's just, you know, ancient or it's too difficult. But just being able to rely on the fact that we care and we want to help and support ourselves makes a huge difference in our ability to cope. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Is there something I can do to help? Yeah. I'm here for you. Aren't those the words we long to hear from other people? Which And yeah. often they, for whatever reason, they can't say it. Yeah. And I think too, like a lot of my life was like when I, when I turned 30 and when I turned 40 and I just felt very like I hadn't done what I needed to do and what I was here to do. And I was just so hard on myself because I hadn't achieved what I wanted to achieve. And that was so, none of that was helpful. It's like repeating the cycle of me not getting to where I need to go by try, being so critical. It's like, it's, I'm trying to help, but it actually is making things worse. So if you think of a newborn child just comes out of the womb, first day on this earth, mm-hmm. I think most people just so naturally feel the intrinsic worthiness of that newborn child. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah. say to that newborn child, okay, you know, go once you get your college degree, come back and then maybe you'll be worthy. We, we can feel, you know, the sanctity of, you know, the beautiful, precious nature of the life of that newborn child. Yeah. And that's still us. You know, we are still that newborn yeah. child in many ways. Yeah. Just like we would protect the life of that newborn child. You know, we deserve the same kindness, care, and love that that, that newborn child does. And really that's what self-compassion is, is giving ourselves that same kind of parental, unconditional, loving, supportive energy. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Your new book is called Your yes. New Book is called Fierce Compassion: How Women Can Harness Kindness to Speak Up, Claim Their Power, and Thrive. Can yes. you talk a bit about why you chose to focus on women and gender and in relationship to the um, self-compassion in your new book? Yes, yes. So it's it's really about the harmful effects of gender role socialization. So as a trans mm-hmm. woman, you probably know something about this, right? I've talked extensively about this <laughs> yeah. for years. Yeah. So basically I talk about there's two faces of self-compassion. There's two sides of it that I call the fierce and the tender side. The tender mm-hmm. side is more um, the side of self-compassion we've been talking about, the mothering energy, the unconditional love and support. And this is what allows us just to be with ourselves tenderly, gently. But there's also a really important fierce side to compassion. Mm-hmm. Like I say, the mama bear energy, the warrior energy. If you want to see someone fierce, you try to threaten a mother's child or threaten a mama bear's child, you know, she'll tear your head off. So yeah. this idea of protection and also providing for, being really willing to sacrifice and do stuff to help um, or to motivate change. Mm-hmm. But what's happened with traditional gender role socialization is we just stuff people into boxes, right? So people who are, you know, Born at birth as women are supposed to be tender and nurturing and kind and gentle, but she better not be angry or fierce because we're going to call her names. Mm-hmm. But people who are born, you know, biologically as men, they also, you know, they're socialized that they aren't allowed to be too tender. You know, they're called sissy. They're called names. And that really cuts men off from this whole beautiful part of their nature 
because of gender role socialization. So really, you might say the whole thesis of the book is freeing ourselves from these restrictive gender role um, norms mm -hmm. and just saying that this, these are two energies that every single human being needs to develop and integrate and harness to help themselves be well. It's really about how all human beings are harmed by these oppressive gender roles. And I really passionately believe that. I love it. And I, I, I prefer the term assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth to talk about what, what we sort of yes. impose on people, right? Because right. With that, yes, thank you. With yes. that assignment, what's really deep to me is that when yes. someone is born and they have a certain set of genitalia, and so we assign them a gender, and then we have all these expectations of how they should be based on right. that genitalia. I've lived it. I was assigned male at birth, and there were all these sort of expectations of how I was supposed to act, and I was in the system. What I learned very early on is if I do not conform to those expectations, I will be punished. I will literally be beaten by other children. I will be beaten and chastised by my parents and teachers that there are violent consequences to not conforming to those expectations. And everyone learns that. And if, even if you're not transgender, you yeah. learn very early on that there are consequences to not conforming to the expectations. Absolutely. Even cisgender people, again, I really think that if we can move beyond these simple binary categories and really just go toward seeing all the faces of love. And there's more yeah. than just fierce and tender. They're unlimited. You know, love manifests in so many different ways. Yeah. I think our non-binary siblings have so much to offer us on this. I think that I, the relationship between self-compassion and, and embracing every aspect of ourselves in terms of our gender expression is it's the most compassionate thing because it's like the judgment of... I have to repress this masculine part of myself or I have to repress this feminine part of myself is not compassionate. That's right. The self-compassionate approach is to be like, this is beautiful. This is the beautiful side of myself that I have to allow to be more authentic, that I have to love all of myself. You probably also notice in the book, I don't even use the terms masculine and feminine. I use the terms yin and yang. Yeah. Because even the, you know, the fact that you call them masculine and feminine in a way is already messed up. For instance, mama bear, that's a female energy, although we typically yeah. think of that ferocity as part of the masculine gender role. It really has nothing to do with gender. It's these, these yin and yang energies, these gentle mm -hmm. and fierce energies that are part of life. We know from Chinese philosophy that in order to be healthy and well, we need both yin and yang. They need to be balanced and integrated. In fact, the definition of disease is an imbalance between yin and yang. Mm -hmm. And yet we're saying to half of the world's population, you could only be one way and not the other. You know, it's messed up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. And I think in the book, what I think I also appreciate that you delve deeply into anger and why it's why it's tricky. And, I, you know, as a black woman, you know, we're and you talk yeah. about this in the book that we're often I've been called an angry black woman <laughs> many times. Yes. Can you talk to us a little bit about like the difference between like when anger be can become this thing that releases the wrong hormones and like becomes detrimental and then when it's useful and then the relationship between healthy anger, and unhealthy anger for for women? <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> I can't. And by the way, Laverne, I'm talking about this not as someone who gets it right all the time, but as someone who often gets it wrong, anger is a, a bit of an issue for me. And I always thought it was something that I could work with, with mindfulness and compassion and I could hold so I wouldn't be so reactive. And it really wasn't until I fully saw that, wait a second, 
my mama bear side, my angry side. That's what's allowed me to accomplish everything I've accomplished in the world and help me raise my autistic son and do so many good things. You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? It's something that we need to honor, mm-hmm. really deeply honor that ferocity. The main difference between constructive and destructive anger is what's its purpose? So constructive anger is aimed at reducing harm. Okay. Alleviating suffering, compassion, right? It's all mm-hmm. really th- so anger at injustice, anger at sexual harassment, anger mm-hmm. at, um, you know, someone exploiting someone else. The anger is actually, it's not personal, right? So when it's constructive, it's just saying this is wrong and it needs to stop. Yes. Right? And when mm-hmm. harnessed in that way in the service of justice, it can actually be very effective. Destructive anger, on the other hand, is personal. It's retaliatory. It's cutting people out of the circle of humanity, saying, you're bad, you're evil, I hate you. And that's when it becomes destructive. Mm. But you know, even constructive anger, even if it's really clear and firm, people still aren't going to like it, especially from a woman, probably especially from a black woman, because it triggers all these stereotypes. So it's not like if you use constructive anger, everyone's going to suddenly be okay with it. They, they may still not be okay with it, but you'll be okay with it. It doesn't raise your cortisol levels. It doesn't lead to the heart problems. It actually could lead to more effective conflict resolution as long as it's clean mm-hmm. and it's aimed at preventing harm as opposed to being used to cause harm. That's when it becomes the problem. This is... <sighs> Just have to just be really real here. I did this really intense for me because I so much of the ways in which I've advocated for justice publicly, I mitigate my anger. I or I try really hard to mitigate my anger, like because I feel like people aren't going to be able to hear me. They're going to be like, "Oh, she's just yeah. angry. She's this black trans woman who's angry." And so I'm constantly out in the world, going on television shows, talking about injustice that is infuriating and trying yes. to mitigate my tone and mitigate my anger. It's, so it's like this nuanced thing, right? Of, uh, around l- allowing ourselves to have righteous anger, to have anger that against injustice, but, but do it in a way in public so that people can still hear us. It's a challenge. It's a huge challenge. The anger has to be modulated in such a way so that it doesn't turn inward and so that it doesn't become self-effacing or self-critical. And that's where I go because I will beat myself up in a second. <laughs> I mean, so, so it really just comes down to the simple idea of, is it causing harm or preventing harm? Right? So you might even get angry at yourself. If you are stuck in a really a toxic relationship, or maybe you, mm-hmm. you're addicted to a substance and it's really harming you, you may need to get quite fierce with yourself, even angry. But it's not angry like you are bad, you are unworthy. It's not personal. It's just the powerful young energy of this has got to stop. This is harmful. Yeah. No. It feels like it's the difference between shame and guilt. That shame is, yes. um, I'm sorry, I am a mistake. And guilt is, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. So then the guilt becomes something that can become adaptive as opposed to the shame that becomes like, at least to depression yeah. and suicidal ideations and whatnot. So it feels like the anger that we have needs to be about behavior and not self. We have love for each other, but it is the behavior. But the behavior is not okay. That, is, that we have anger about. That's a brilliant analogy. I think that's exactly it is right. It's, it's not personal. It's not blaming. It's not shaming, but it can mm-hmm. be quite fierce in terms of its intensity. So I, I like, I've got a picture. If you were to go into my meditation room right now, I've got a picture of the Hindu goddess Kali. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's a goddess of destruction. And she's got all these arms and in each arm is a, is a severed head of a person she's destroyed. Mm-hmm. But what she destroys is illusion. What she destroys is the illusion of separation. Mm-hmm. So that angry energy, that wielding that fierce sword of justice, when it's aimed at destroying the illusion of separation, right? And so racism, sexism, injustice, this is an illusion of separation, right? It's not true. Yeah. You're actually trying to cut through an illusion and you're helping as opposed to harming. Anger sometimes is really necessary. The reason why we have to get angry is, first of all, when you're angry, when you're flooded with anger, it makes you brave, it makes you courageous, mm-hmm. it makes you very focused. And it sends a clear message to you and everyone else that this is damn serious. We need to pay attention. It sounds like you have to be careful in the parlance of trauma resilience. You have to be careful that the anger that we stay in our resilience zone, right? When we yes. were angry at, in within our resiliency and not like bumped out into survival or bumped out into sort of a trauma response, the fight, flight, or freeze. Exactly. Very delicate. It's real. This is really this is high level stuff. It's, it's, it's a challenge. I'm not. I'm not saying this stuff is easy, right? It's not easy. But the thing is, we want. We just want to have all all the tools and resources available to us. And you know, sometimes you need to go right. Sometimes you need to go left. Sometimes you need more tenderness, more softness, more acceptance, more gentleness. Sometimes you need more fierceness, more you know, more action, more more doing something to change the situation. And really, that's where wisdom comes in. No one from the outside can say what's right for you. But you have to care enough to ask yourself the question, what is it that I need right now? Right? Gorgeous. Oh, honey, how's that for a little truth? We've got more for you. After a tiny break... Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. 
For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Oh, I'm loving where this conversation is going. Without further ado... have to say this because I, you were talking about the goddess with the all the heads. What's yes. goddess Cole? Kali, yeah. Kali. A lot of people who tend to be conservative don't want to talk about racism. They feel like whenever we talk about racism or transphobia, that yes. we are dividing each other. That just by calling yes. out racism, we are dividing each other and we should just never focus on race and just pretend it doesn't exist. And that's the way to alleviate racism. So sometimes people get confused when I talk about common humanity, which is part of self-compassion. They, they think that means, well, all lives matter as opposed to like Black Lives Matter. So mindfulness sees things as they are. It doesn't yeah. pretend, doesn't put your head in the sand and pretend that, that something is not present when in fact it is. And mm-hmm. differences are real. You know, it'd be nice to live in a world where there were no differences and no, no one suffered more than another, but that's not the reality we live in. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about common humanity, what I'm saying is no one, including ourselves, should be cut out of that circle of humanity. Every, every human being is worthy of a compassionate response. That in no way, shape, or form means that all people are the same or that all people suffer the same amount. There are very real differences based on all sorts of systems of oppression and personal history, you know, even just in genetic makeup, there's huge variation. Absolutely. So the mindfulness is what allows us to see clearly. Common humanity, in this case, you stand together with others in order to say, hey, it's not just me. We're going to stand together. And this is actually what empowers us. When we feel shame, when we let other people shame us mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're, we aren't, you know, we don't meet their standards, then we feel isolated and alone. But yeah. when we stand together and say, hey, there are hundreds of thousands of people just like me. And then when I stand up for myself, I'm not just standing up for me. I'm standing up for my entire family. Then that mm-hmm. gives us strength and empowerment. Mm. And so mindfulness isn't always peaceful. Mindfulness sometimes wakes us up and says, hey, we got to do something in this system, right? To alleviate suffering, you don't know for sure what action is going to be called for. Mm. It's really what your aim is. Is your aim to alleviate suffering or not? I love that. I love that. I feel like what's interesting about this moment is that we actually often can't agree with what is, right? That there's so much propaganda and there's so many different sort of media sources that are obfuscating and spinning other narratives for different purposes so that that piece of mindfulness gets really tricky because what reality for me, right? I think about the... um, all the anti-trans bills that are being introduced all over the country right now. And they're like, we need to protect women's sports. And like, like, the, like, it's almost like sort of creating this reality where like women are threatened by trans people. And, and it's like, that's actually not the reality. So we have to be yeah. able to sit in the, in the truth. Yes. And so I think to really get clear about what the suffering is, right. That like, yeah. 
it's very, very important. Of course, it's a process, right? And so there's mm-hmm. also an open-mindedness to mindfulness. It's not like a belief system. It's really just a process of being open to the truth, open to seeing what's right in front of your eyes, not hiding things, not um, twisting things as much as humanly possible. But you also have to open, be open to the possibility that your view may be wrong, right? So you also have to mm. be open to someone mm-hmm. else making an argument and saying, well, actually, maybe, maybe I see your point. Yes. If we start being self-righteous about it, then that also causes problems. And I'm sure some of your listeners are thinking, oh my God, how am I going to do this? It's so complicated. I like to say that the goal of practice is simply to be a compassionate mess. <laughs> this is messy. Social justice is messy. Our lives are messy. Every part of it is messy. We're going to get it wrong over and over and over again. And we shouldn't actually expect otherwise. Self-compassion is not about getting it right. It's about opening your heart. Mm. And so As long as our goal is to hold the entire mess with compassion, we draw on whatever tools we have available to us, whether it's anger or love or tenderness or, you know, whatever we need in the moment, motivation, acceptance. And we do our best. We fall down and we lovingly pick ourselves up again and we keep on trying. And what happens is you you learn to be less invested in the outcome Mm. You know, what have I achieved or what's, what's the outcome of my behavior? And just kind of the whole process. Yeah. If I can be loving and kind and benevolent toward myself in the process, well, then I've achieved my goal. It doesn't really matter if, I've, if I'm a mess or not. I love it. So I like to end the podcast with the question, what else is true? And this is taken from my my own sort of therapeutic work in the community resiliency model. It's about that shift and stay, right? So if, if I am feeling a sharp pain in my stomach, where in my body is it neutral or positive? Where in my life is it neutral or positive? And that can become a resource for me. So yes. um, Professor mm-hmm. Christian Neff today, for you, what else is true? Ah, what else is true? Hmm. So I, the first thing that comes to mind is, um, mm-hmm. it's just my son. I'm sorry. Mm. He always comes to my mind because he's about to get home from school. But, you know, just the simple love of my son. Mm. You know, he, he's autistic and um, uh-huh. he's just the most beautiful, like authentic human being you'll ever want to be. He's not operating from the place of what do other people think of me? He's just himself. Mm-hmm. How old is he? He's, uh, he's 19. Mm. He's 19 something about him that's just so beautiful and pure and so that that for me is a resource i think i can just kind of let go of my intellectual professor life sometimes and when i'm just a mother to him mm-hmm. it just really replenishes me mm, that is yeah. a beautiful what else is true beautiful <laughs> Thank you so much. I have so much. I'm so moved right now by this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for your work. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so, so grateful for you right now. And your new book is Fierce Compassion, How Women Can Harness Kindness to Speak Up and Claim Their Power and Thrive. Laverne, can I I ask you an honest question? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wrote the book, so it's written for women. And in terms of gender role socialization as a trans woman, mm-hmm. it must have operated a little bit differently for you because you were socialized 
in the wrong gender, so to speak. So how, how did that, how did that strike you? That's a really good question. I have to say when I was, when I started reading it, I'm going to be real honest. The initial thought was like, oh my God, is this going to be some white woman feminist thing that's not intersectional? <laughs> Initially, right. that was uh-huh. my first thought. And then I was like, oh, okay, she's acknowledging, I continued reading. It's like she's acknowledging that the experiences of Black women are different. And so I think what mm-hmm. I, from my experience, I was constantly failing at being masculine and being the young man, boy that people wanted me to be. And so I felt like I was constantly failing. And then when I finally accepted my womanhood and transitioned, I was, again, not feminine enough and then failing again. <laughs> right, right. So the gender thing, honestly, for me, like with through socialization and then through my acceptance of my womanhood, it's always been like, I'm not enough. I'm failing. And I think that's honestly probably the reality for most people is that we're constantly not woman enough or man enough and we're constantly failing. And so we need to just throw it all out. <laughs> Thank you for, for indulging me. And I, I did try to be clear about where I was coming from. And it's the only really perspective I, I could write Mm -hmm. from to be authentic. And I think there's a lot of different books that could be written depending on people's different lived experience. The specificity of you writing for cis women didn't take me out as a trans woman. Right. Well, that's good. Thanks. Where can folks find you? Are you on social media and all that stuff? Yes. Well, uh, if you Google self-compassion, you'll find my website. I have a lot of free practices and resources. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter. I'm just starting up my Instagram account. I'm a little late to the game. But probably my website is the easiest place to start. And I've got a lot of free resources there. So Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here's to all of us being a little more self-compassionate. Thank you. Ah, thank you. It's been a great interview, Laverne. Thank you. I'm so grateful for Kristen Neff and her work right now. And I keep thinking about what gets in the way for me of being truly compassionate to myself. And trauma can hijack my nervous system. It can hijack my whole life. The traumatic response is kind of my default. Self-criticism is my default. And so the compassion that we would have towards other people that we turn that in towards ourselves. That seems simple, (laughs) but oh my, there are a lot of reasons why it's really difficult. It's a gentle process, and all of this is a gentle process, and it's a daily practice to be mindful and to be in kindness towards everyone else. And so the self-compassion piece is actually really integral to trauma resilience, to healing our attachment issues, and all the things that you know we've talked about on this podcast. And it's also tied to justice and social justice self-compassion, kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. Here's to all that in your lives. And a day at a time, a moment at a time, a breath at a time. Thank you for listening to The Laverne Cox Show. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share with everyone you know. Join me next week when I talk with internationally renowned researcher and educator, Dr. Joy DeGruy, about intergenerational trauma. Her book, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, America's Legacy of Enduring Injury and Healing, lays the groundwork for understanding how the past has influenced the present. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Laverne Cox and on Facebook at Laverne Cox for real. 
Until next time, stay in the love. The Laverne Cox Show is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine tingling shows on AE Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.